Welcome, everybody, to the Security Guy and the CIA Spy Show podcast, where we are keeping you on top of what is new and ahead of what is next at all times on all things security, tech, and digital literacy. Knowing that when good people like you want to make sure that their money, their family, and their business is safe and secure from attackers, hackers, and thieves, or you just want to make sure your tech is running smoothly, my name is Robert DeSoliano. I am the security guy, and along with my co-host, Peter Wormka, who is a real and retired United States CIA spy, we will give you every single tool, tip, tactic, and skill that you need to fight the bad guy and keep your physical and digital life secure, worry less, and even make you happier. This podcast will help you breathe easier with less stress and a greater sense of well-being. So let's get at it. And welcome to the Security Guy and the CIA Spy. I am Robert Tosoliano, and this is... Peter Warmka. How you doing, Peter? I'm doing great. How about you? Good. Yeah, it's getting (laughs) crazy. A little hesitation. A little hesitation in your voice. Yeah. You know... Omicron and uh, the direction things are going, you know, the fact that we have regressed a little bit has shaken me up a little bit and what's been going on in the news and some of the stuff we're going to talk about today uh, is a bit disheartening. So yeah, you know, like just look at coming from our point of view, right? Security professionals, those that are engaged in uh, preventing bad things from happening to good people, right? We are tasked with uh, being experts in all things, essentially, you know, criminal, because uh, mm-hmm. our job is to prevent that, right? And every so often, you know, I've got to kind of like shield myself from the fact that I'm consuming a lot of information that's really negative. It's kind of like when you have um, certain people on certain social media sites, their job is to filter out, say, child pornography, right? Right. And as part of their job, like their job is tasked with looking at really bad things to make sure that people like you and I don't see it on those social media sites. That is a burden, you know, and, um, you know, just consuming a lot of the information that, that I or we consume can have a negative effect on your disposition. And with a lot of what's going on out there, you know, like I see it and I have to process it and I have to break it down in such a way where our audience essentially can improve the quality of their lives based on the information that we have provided them. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it's easy to get really down and, you know, a bit uh, discouraged uh, when we see these, these, all these things that are happening and they get a lot of, I mean, they get a lot of coverage, all these bad things that are happening. It's, it's easy to quantify the bad things that happen. It's difficult to quantify the, the, how people have been protected by, by doing, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, what are the results? I can I can see a result. Oh, I got hacked or something happened to me because I didn't take XYZ precaution. But if I'm taking my precautions and I don't necessarily, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's hard to quantify whether or not these things have saved me from a specific type of attack. You know, we just have to, we just have to, you see, you read about all these things happening to people and we all have to do our best to become educated in, in these things. And, and uh, hope and pray a, and also take measures that these things don't happen to us. Yeah, and be proactive, you know, and engage, right? And I take responsibility, you know? So um, here, uh, we're gonna, one of the things we're going to talk about this week is um, from the New York Times, they did an expose on uh, NSO's Pegasus spyware. NSO is an Israeli 
software company that provides spyware. So the battle for the world's most powerful cyber weapon. I've known about this for quite some time because it's been around for you know uh, almost a decade. So the article begins with, uh, in June of 2019, three Israeli computer engineers arrived at a New, New Jersey building used by the FBI. They unpacked dozens of computer servers, arranging them on uh, tall racks in an isolated room. As they set up the equipment, the engineers made a series of calls to their bosses in Tel Aviv at the headquarters of the NSO group, the world's most notorious maker of spyware. The FBI bought a version of Pegasus as NSO's premier spying tool. And at this point, the US is trying to ban it. Edward Snowden at one time had brought attention to this and other forms of spyware just like it. Now, what's really scary about this particular spyware, this version of Pegasus is called what's called zero click. So zero click essentially, unlike more common hacking software, it did not require users to click on a malicious attachment or a link. Okay, just having it, just opening up a file, right? not, not even opening up a file. So the Americans monitoring the phones, in this case, Americans being victims, could see no evidence of an ongoing breach. They could, couldn't see the Pegasus computers connecting to a network of servers around the world, hacking the phone, then connecting back to the equipment in the New Jersey facility. What they could see minutes later was every piece of data stored in the phone as it is unspooled onto large monitors of the Pegasus computers. Every email, every photo, every hot text thread, every personal contact. They could also see the phone's location, even take control of its camera and microphone. The FBI agents using Pegasus could, in theory, almost instantly transform phones around the world into powerful surveillance tools everywhere except for the United States. And that being said, because Pegasus was set up so that it would not be able to be exploited or deploy, deployed on United States phones based on their phone number. Mm -hmm. Okay, So all US-based extensions incorporated into the software would be denied, essentially. And yeah, what they did was they allowed that to happen. And uh, once uh, media and others got a handle on that, became alarmed for obvious reasons. What are your thoughts on this, Peter? Well, this is incredible because a lot of people think, well, in my communications, whatever, whatever system you're using to communicate with others, whatever you're sending you know, can be encrypted, right? We can encrypt uh, the uh, messages that we send and what we receive. But in this case, it's getting to the device where that information is stored either before it is encrypted or after it's encrypted, right? So that, this is what really makes it dangerous, being able to not only gain access to the phone without the individual having to open up, you know, click on a link, but the fact is they're, they're vacuuming, pulling up every bit of information that's on there that's not encrypted, basically. Right, exactly, correct. Having full control over somebody's mobile device, mobile spyware, essentially what this boils down to is pretty scary. And there are a lot of mobile spyware programs out there that do a pretty good job of hacking a Android device. Androids have a similar operating system as Windows. I believe they work off of the, um, the Linux OS and or are facsimile of. And uh, Android devices can be exploited the same way Windows machines can with a spyware program. And the only way to protect yourself from that is by engaging in an antivirus software, and that may not work either. 
So it's important for your Android users to make sure that A, you have an antivirus, B, you update your operating system. And if you're ever experiencing situations where you're concerned you're being spied on, there could be one of two things going on. Either number one, you're actually being spied on, or number two, you might actually be suffering, suffering from paranoia. I've had many people contact me that believed their phones were being tapped. And after spending just a brief period of time with them, learning that they're seeing various therapists for various reasons and on antipsychotic medicines, um, and uh, paranoia was part of their issue. And then other people that, you know, I'm no clinician and, and, and am incapable of diagnosing somebody as being paranoid, but deduced based on life experience that they might be have mental health issues. So mm -hmm. the majority of the time, people who get what they think is spyware just might not be in their right frame of mind. But those that do, uh, it's because somebody installed it on there generally because they had access to the phone, like a, like a, 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 a batterer, you know. Uh, and or um, they had clicked a link in the body of an email or a text message that infected their device. But I think this really highlights, you know, we have this sort of thing, we can do a lot of things to mitigate and reduce the likelihood of uh, falling victim to being hacked. But at the end of the day, everything is hackable. Yeah, everything, everything. So maybe, we, you know, we need to also be thinking about, is there information that we're storing on uh, any device that's hooked up to the internet, whether it's your computer or hooked up to your, or, you know, or through your telephone, if you're storing information on there that could make you extremely vulnerable, perhaps you need to remove that information from those devices and keep it some, somewhere else. If you, need to, if you need to retain it, keep it on something else that is not connected to any server. Yeah, and the, the bigger issue for me regarding uh, your mobile phone being hacked in this regard is if somebody does actually have remote access to your mobile phone and your mobile phone is used for two-factor authentication with a one-time text message, then that to me is scary because if they, if the bad guy in this case can get access to your one-time passcode to log into various accounts, then especially email or any financial accounts, that that could be an issue. You know, there might be a day when if, if, if spyware becomes ubiquitous, which, which I know it's available for both iPhone and Android, it's, it's much more effective on an Android. It's not nearly as effective on an iPhone unless the iPhone is what's called jailbroken. There may be a day where if we're gonna be continue to use two-factor authentication as a form of verification, that you might need an additional device, an additional say burner phone that might not necessarily be a uh, smartphone, but just be a feature phone that accepts texts. And that phone, that feature phone, be your sole device for two-factor authentication. Down the road, that may be uh, a requirement, uh, depending on how ubiquitous, if, if this particular software ever gets leaked. Yeah, mm -hmm. nuts. All right, so uh, additionally, what we're gonna talk about today is Daily Beast talks about they rushed to judgment. Family experts left stunned by highway cop shooting. Uh, this Peter, is an incredible story. Mm. This is an incredible story. It's an awful story. And, you know, a lot of the stories that, 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 we, that, that uh, most consumers engage in, most citizens see in regards to law enforcement shooting people, nine out of 10 times the headline reads something in regards to a, a white law enforcement officer shooting a, um, a black suspect. Right? right, or in this case, or a victim, whatever the appropriate word might be, right? 
Uh, and uh, that's not what this is about. This isn't necessarily a, a, a social justice piece. This is nine cops, including state police and local cops, 30 feet away from, uh, I guess what we're calling a suspect or a victim, shot him. Nine, nine cops opened fire on this guy, right? And I, I am not a law enforcement officer. You are, you know, former CIA, which is a form of law enforcement, correct? I mean, correct. Well, okay. no, we're not necessarily law enforcement. We we break <laughs> we break the laws in other countries to steal intelligence. Um, the FBI would be law enforcement trying to catch criminals as well as intelligence officers from breaking the law. So I need to, yeah, we're not really law enforcement, but we we understand how to avoid the attention of law enforcement. Put it that way. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well. Spoken from a true expert. Well, this particular article um, talks about um, right here. Uh, let me read the beginning of it to you first. So a Tennessee man with a box cutter, had a box cutter, fatally shot by nine cops on a busy highway, had cut himself off from family in recent months, sparking concerns among loved ones about his state of mind, but a former officer said it appeared the police had rushed to judgment when they opened fire all at once. Guy's name was Landon Eastup, 37, died in a hail of gunfire following a 30-minute standoff on Interstate 65 in Nashville. The incident began around 2 p.m. with a Tennessee state trooper spotting him walking down the shoulder of the highway, offered him a ride home, but while talking to him, the exchange escalated and Estep pulled the box cutter from his pocket, according to authorities. Okay. As a result, and there's a lot in between what I'm going to read to you now, the uh, cop called for backup, got both local and state backup. And then there was a, um, a another cop from New Jersey. His name is uh, retired, retired Newark Police Department, Luke Letzera, Leterza, a trained firearms examiner who oversaw Newark's PD ballistics labs watched the body cam footage and decried the officer's actions. So this is one of their own, basically saying that, that this didn't add up to him. He said that, first and foremost, the guy is surrounded, Leterza told the Daily Beast. Look how far away those officers are from him. What is the imminent danger towards the officers? He had a blade on him. What's he going to do, throw it? They had time on their side. They were in a safe distance away. And they overreacted, he said. Leterza, who said he has been in similar situations himself, would have called for a less than lethal option before drawing a firearm. And now he added, the officers involved are going to face an uphill battle convincing a grand jury that they did the right thing. Leterza said, you're telling me that nobody had a taser. Nobody had a, a bean bag. They didn't, have, they didn't have to shoot him. They rushed. He made a sudden move and they rushed to judgment, which is bullshit. This could have been prevented. So I'm sure you're familiar with like bean bag guns. It's kind of like a... Um, like a shotgun type device that actually shoots a beanbag. They're brutal. I've, I've seen them in, in videos. Uh, even pepper spray is brutal. A taser is brutal. Nine cops, at least half of them, if not all of them had tasers. One taser would have put this guy down. Nine tasers definitely would have put him down and possibly killed him too. Um, not knowing what the other, what was in his pocket, the shiny silver object obviously was causing a problem with all of them and which made them antsy which it might be what led to them pulling the trigger look 
What this all boils down to is the fact that the guy probably had his hands in his pocket or they weren't exposed and it made them edgy. And if he had his hands out and exposed at all times and made no sudden moves, then he might be alive today. There is still a bigger problem here when you have nine cops shooting one guy that ultimately did not have or they did not see a gun. This is one of the reasons why I was a little upset at the beginning of this call today, that it does not take much to get nine cops to shoot you from what I can see here. And I am not blaming the entire law enforcement com community. I was not here for this particular, there for that particular situation. It is just really, really scary to me that something like this happens in modern day America. Well, Robert, this is becoming though, think about it, more and more of uh, these incidents is happening. And some of them, that, some of them, have been reported as racially motivated, which I don't believe is necessarily the case. But in those, even in those cases, it usually can be, if you look, if you dig down, you can see that there was a mental health issue uh, the individual that ended up losing, unfortunately losing their life. So I think there's a lot more cases of individuals with mental health issues that are involved in these situations and a lack of adequate training of law enforcement of how to deal with people that are mentally ill. I mean, because mentally ill people are not necessarily criminals, but their way of, of thinking and their way of dealing with situations are going to be different than someone who's just, you know, very normal, who's not, who's not, you know, someone who's very normal and who does not have ill intent is probably going to abide by, by, you know, instructions or orders received by law enforcement, but right. a mentally ill person their own set of rules going to do that. So I think the training of law enforcement in regard to how to deal with mentally health, men, mentally ill individuals needs to be prioritized. And I don't, I don't think they're receiving um, enough of it. Yeah, enough of it, or in some cases at all. So like it, I don't even sure what to, where to go from here with this one. I, I would look at, I've been pulled over by law enforcement many times. <laughs> I'm a, one of them kind of foot on the pedal kind of people, you know? And uh, I've actually been pulled over on foot by law enforcement, meaning I was walking and got pulled over by law enforcement. And that was Not actually- Not because of your speed, I don't think. It wasn't. It was in the past year. I was walking and got pulled over by law enforcement because I was in an area that wasn't pedestrian friendly. Oh. It wasn't illegal for me to be walking at all but it wasn't pedestrian friendly. And the cops saw me running in this area that was not pedestrian friendly and thought that maybe I, I had done something wrong. Oh, okay. And so she essentially pulled me over and asked to see my hands and my driver's license. And I showed her both and my driver's license and she promptly let me go. My excuse was good enough for her. And the excuse was that my wife had just dropped me off at those stores. I was going from those stores and I was basically running across the street to the mall where my wife ended up. And it was that running across the street to the mall, that area was a heavily trafficked intersection with no crosswalk. So this cop just was not used to seeing people walk across that area, never mind running. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, and uh, cops get antsy, you know. And um, I would say that, you know, if you're ever getting pulled over by the police, if you're ever doing anything where you're involved with the police, show your hands because in their mind if they can't see your hands they don't know if you have a firearm and if they don't know if you have a firearm they're going to have their finger on the trigger yeah that will de-escalate de everything very quickly well just do this i, I got nothing 
Hands up. Okay. All right, Peter. Uh, federal Gizmodo says that Federal Trade Commission says social media was a gold mine for scammers in 2021, leading to almost a three quarter of a billion or more than a three quarter billion dollars in losses. Um, it goes on to say that um, investment scams, and this is a good article to read, by the way, we'll have it in the show notes. Investment scams, individuals reach out to users, bad guys reach out to users on social media with bogus investment opportunities, promising big returns, sometimes impersonating the victim's friends to get them to send money. Swindles involve cryptocurrency of surge, which unfortunately is no surprise given its boom in popularity. Then there are romance scams of fraud, a category also at record highs, which consists of exactly what the name suggests, it's romance scam. More than a third of the people who said they lost money in an online romance scam in 2021 said it began, began on Facebook or Instagram, okay? Uh, these scams often start with a seemingly innocent friend request from a stranger, followed by sweet talk, and then inevitably a request for money. Yeah, I, I would bet that the uh, the figure is much higher, maybe more than double what's in this article, because these are what either they're just estimating or based on the probably on the reports, the filing, the complaints that the FTC receives. So, so many people are not going to report these things because maybe they feel embarrassed. Some people don't even know to go that they can go to the FTC to file the complaint. But then there's many people think about people, especially that maybe have been hit with romance scams. Are end up being embarrassed because they might they might have relatives or family members that say, hey, listen, we're you know this is kind of weird as we're kind of suspicious of this, but when you know there's love involved, love see love is blind, and so many people, despite what family members friends may say, they'll continue and they'll go ahead and and uh, send money. I, I might have mentioned to you a long time ago. I walked into the Walgreens of uh, in the town of you know where I grew up in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. And I and then I was going to go to the kiosk there where, to uh, print out pictures. That same kiosk was utilized to send uh, Western Union telegrams. I saw a, a, an elderly gentleman there, you know, a, in front of me, and he was like, you know, taking his time, which I no problem. But then I kind of like saw that he was sending money to Nigeria, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what did this old old gentleman, elderly gentleman in the middle of Wisconsin, who would he know in Nigeria, right? To send money to, and I brought it to the attention of, uh, of a young lady who worked there. And I said, "Listen, I didn't mean to be eavesdropping here, but I see that he's in the process of sending money. I really, I fear that this could be a scam, you know." And so she walked up to the guy and and uh, just asked him if he needed any help, what he was doing. And she told him, "Listen, you know, we're concerned. You know, there's a lot of these scams out there. And how well do you know this person?" And he just smiled and he said, "Oh, I know this person very well." And so, what are you going to do? A lot of people, until they get so scammed and do literally not only $5,000, can be hundreds of thousand dollars. There's people that have lost their entire retirement yep. because of these romance scams. And yep. they don't, you know, they don't, they're not, they're not awakened until they lost everything pretty much. Yep. Then they realize what's happening. I have a really good friend who's a financial advisor. His mom um, became a widow uh, and, you know, his dad died. Uh, and then within a year, you know, she's on match.com, Facebook, she's on plenty of, of fish and all that, all those websites, because she was lonely, you know? And my friend discovered her, her on these sites because he went over her house one day and saw all the tabs open on her laptop and said, mom, you know, do you know what you're doing on these sites? Like you gotta be aware of scams. And she's like, nah, I know what I'm doing. You don't have to tell me I'm, I know what I got going on. 
And he's like, well, are you sure? Because you have to be careful. She's like, I know what I'm doing. Like she refused his guidance, you know? And um, he called me a couple of months later. He's like, dude, I don't know what to do here. My mom, she got scammed of $235,000. Guy was posing as a, like a military guy in Afghanistan who found a trunk of money in a, in a building they raided and needed her help in getting it back to the U.S., and she's thinking like this guy is like her knight in shining armor and everything that goes along with it. And what it boils down to is, is that it doesn't make this person or these people stupid or naive or anything else. It just makes them human. That the pain of loneliness just trumps common sense all day long. And loneliness can be devastating. There, there, there is a physical effect of loneliness and, and, it, and, it, and it's both mental and emotional. And um, I've experienced loneliness probably uh, in my early 20s, maybe, and know what that feels like. And it's not a it's, it's, it's a very uncomfortable, uh, uh, you know, charged way of existence. And uh, that's why bad guys focus on those that are vulnerable to this crime, because they can be the puppeteer and the victim essentially is their puppet. So there are people in our lives that we need to pay a little bit more attention to that could be potential victims of these scams. And, and, and finance scams are the same thing. You know, greed, sex, love, all that stuff plays into it. It's just a human emotion. You know, it's just stuff that we as human beings want uh, or at least, you know, are affected by or make, can make poor decisions based on. So I, everybody in your life needs to be aware of this stuff. So, yeah. I would speculate that the they mentioned in the article a lot of the you know significant amount of these scams involve cryptocurrency. I would speculate that maybe that's because of the difficulty in being able to trace uh, where this money's going after it's been yeah. sent by, by yeah, a victim, 100%. right? Yeah, and the more people they get on the crypto bandwagon, the more opportunities there are for people to pay via crypto. Right. So and then that's essentially untraceable. So yeah. So check this out, Peter. Uh, this is USA Today. The claim, the claim, this is the claim. People are going door to door, handing out drugged masks, robbing houses. This is nuts, right? So an old- My daughter, hey, yes, yeah, I, I, no, 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 uh, I'm kidding you. My daughter yesterday told me that she saw this uh, TikTok video with this report. And I said, you gotta be kidding me. She said, no, it's all, you know, it's all over. Uh, you know, uh, this is happening. So people were believing it, right? People were believing that this actually was taking place. Yeah. So the claim, right? An old dangerous hoax has resurfaced online as health officials continue to urge mask wearing and reduce the spread of COVID-19, which, you know, normal. And here's, here's the claim, right? It's basically like a Facebook, Instagram, TikTok post that says people are going door to door, handing out masks. They say it's a new initiative from local government. It reads a screenshot of an apparent text message that has been shared on Instagram on January 19th. They will always ask you to please put on to see if it fits you. It has been doused with chemicals, which knocks you out cold. And once you're knocked out, they rob you. It says the post was liked almost 2,500 times in within a week and other iterations of the text also accrued hundreds of shares and likes on Facebook. Okay. So you and I see something like this. We're like, no, 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 no. That just, it can't be right. But, but here, here's the thing, like you and I, our brain is wired to be a, a little bit more cynical of this stuff. We don't necessarily believe or agree with all this clickbaity headlines. 
that when there's something sensational like that, all human beings are attracted to it. But people like you and I are a bit more skeptical of that. And in, mm -hmm. and it's and, and when and the, the other crowd of those that see it and go, whoa, this is nuts. I got to make sure that all my friends and family know about it because I want to protect them. They're just being helpful. I want to protect them. They're just being loving. I want to protect them and I need to let them know about it as quickly as possible and they begin to share it. And part of that is that they think, the people who are sharing it, they think that they have access to like some inside information that other people may not be aware of, you know? Mm -hmm. And because they, they haven't heard it from any of their friends and family, so they figure they must be the first to know about it because otherwise, why wouldn't my friend and family already tell me about this? So they guys should go ahead and share it without even thinking that is it true or isn't it true? And here's the thing, like pretty much anything and everything that goes on out there on the web, these various claims, which could potentially be hoaxes and so forth, all you gotta do is Google it, you know? So if you just, if you just take this exact same headline and just go to Google and just search it, right? Right here, USA Today, there's the article. Fox okay. Live, no people are not going to door to door passing out masks. Cleveland, police post about handling masks to false. Police bulletin about masks doused with chemicals isn't real. Reuters, false claim, criminals in the UK are handing out chemically whatever, right? Political, okay, look at down here. This is the one that I like to point out to people. Snopes, you know Snopes, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so click on Snopes, okay? And Snopes says, are thieves handing out masks with chemicals that make you pass out? Okay, now Snopes is not like the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, but I have always found Snoops to be factual. Snoops mm -hmm. does a pretty good job of determining if something is real or fake. I mean, Snopes, even the word Snopes does not sound like a legitimate name of a publication, but they do a really good job, an yes, effective job of fleshing out, you know, real or fake. Okay. And this particular article talks about our thieves handing out masks with chemicals that make you pass out. This is from April of 2020. Okay. The USA Today article is from what? Uh, oh, just a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah. A couple of days ago. Okay. So this, this misinformation, this scam, this hoax, has been around for quite some time, almost two years. You know, 21 months ago, this particular article was posted. So Snopes knew about this a long time ago and brought attention to it, which, which is more of a reason why you should rely on a, a website like Snopes to provide a, an impartial look uh, based on, you know, what's factual and what isn't factual that they have had this information for almost two years. They've already known about it. Mm -hmm. So I go to them for uh, information all the time. And I would suggest as a reference, maybe you know some of our, our, our viewers or listeners do too, before you go sharing stuff that you think is being helpful, but more than anything, it might make you look like somebody who you know doesn't have his or her facts straight. You're right, it's sensational news, right? <laughs> people, it, it just gets people excited and they and people automatically start spreading. They start spreading the rumors. Yeah. Start, they, they start spreading the misinformation. And, yeah. and you made a very, you know, a great example there. Just a simple Google search pulls up, you know, like a dozen more, you know, articles that will show that this is a false story. Yeah, it's, so, it's not okay that we engage in misinformation. It's not okay. 
it exasperates the problem. It exasperates fraud. It makes it easier and better for criminals, fraudsters, right, ne'er-do-wells to conduct themselves. Mm-hmm. When we share stuff like this, it makes all of us more vulnerable and weaker. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Peter, what do you get to what do you get to, to, to share? What do you get to promote? Well, still out there pounding the pavements, uh, fortunately getting out of uh, out of my quarters here where I can do only virtual. I'm getting out and actually doing some some training, some live events. And I'd like to promote the fact that we do uh, offer a seminars uh, to our corporate clients on how to deal with various types of threat actors who might be out uh, using social engineering tactics to to um, to target to target. Uh, to target them. Also, once again, promote my book, Confessions of a CIA Spy, The Art of Human Hacking, available on Amazon. It's getting great coverage now. Even someone contacted me that there it's in the libraries, you know? Nice. So that, that you. if it's in the library, that's a that's a pretty good sign that uh, there, there is a, a an interest in it, right? Good for you. That's excellent. Congratulations. And as usual, uh, you could see me and my team online at uh, protectnowllc.com. Again, protectnow llc.com our pre-recorded uh, e-learning is now live uh or available and uh we offer uh, uh discounts to big corporations who want to fill lots of seats uh so check that out uh, by all means uh please feel free to share thumbs up and like our podcasts uh on your various socials thank you so much everybody peter you got last words yeah, thank you, Robert. And for everybody out there, just keep safe, keep healthy, and we always we always mention take care of each other. Yeah, be nice to each other. Thank be you, nice. Peter. Thank you take care.